fighting quieter outside the cage these days, but still time for verbal tap because our favorite subject has returned to the news. John Jones doesn't handle quarantines well. I don't think that surprises anyone, but it's time for verbal tap. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing? Not bad. I'm while we're doing the show, not that I'm giving, you know, the show like zero or ten percent of my full attention, but I might be giving it eighty percent. Well, I, I great, because I've got a hundred percent of my attention on some timelines here. I'm excited for that. I'm just gonna let our audience know that I did not I was gonna do a live let's watch of uh Chelson and Submission Underground. And do you know what happened? What? I just decided I wanted to do a nap instead. Like, that's how weird this quarantine is for is everybody. Is it new? Is it new content? He just did it with no audience? Or what's the deal? How's he doing it? Yeah, it's an empty, uh, a, not even arena. It looks like some sort of weird warehouse or factory that they just put the UFC ring in. Now, can I say what I do like about it thus far in? I'm a huge fan of the fact that they have used white mats instead of their traditional yellow ones. Amen. Because it always unpleases the eye. I was yeah. just watching that Netflix fashion show. Look, we're all on lockdown here. And <laughs> they, there was a yellow print that was just like, I don't think I love yellow. Maybe it no. doesn't look good on me. It's not my color. And, you know, let's not forget UFC 200 famously put some yellow mats. And it's always made me think... Could they not get rid of them and they just gave them to jail? We don't try enough fun mats, but white is helpful for grappling events usually because yes. you can and see people better. Kelly very aptly said, well, maybe they just cleaned the yellow mats and they were actually white underneath. And I said, that's a fair assessment. So just to let you guys Power know. washed them. <laughs> just to let you know, yes, they are doing their best to adhere to uh, you know, CDCC recommended everything, meaning people who were walking out in singlets actually had on like a full no-gi rash guard attire underneath it. And they are also playing to an imaginary audience on occasion. Uh, there is only one commentator, which is Chael, who's in a different room. And he has his normal bad guy incorporated uh, background in, in behind him. And because it's him, he's filling a lot of time. And we're not strangers to that. We understand when you're on commentary, it can be a little rough when you're going solo. But Chael keeps saying things like, you know, in my interpretation, yeah, I'm, I'm personalizing it because no one else is here. And as he's doing that, it sounds more like Chael's master class where it's just like the one time I faced John Jones, it was questionable how much coke he was on. Oh, right. Here's the submission underground that we're commentating on. And he's more of a color guy. He's mm -hmm. not a play-by-player. So no. he doesn't know how to drift into those. If you're a play-by-play -play person and have raffinized pizzazz, you can drift into both lanes. It's a lot more helpful, but solo radio is its own thing. Especially when Chael is doing uh, a very black belt analysis of, see, he's doing half guard here, and... From this position, there's a sweep that could happen. Uh, so I, I I understand and I, I feel for him. Uh, but I do want to tell you one thing, Kev. The most heartbreaking aspect of this whole thing, which I still am trying to get around. It's not the fact that the people are not bumping fists to begin because that would be weird. 
to touch before you touch. Um, no, instead, it is the fact that at the very end, there's no interviews. There's no anybody to play up to a crowd at the very end when you win. They just clipped the a Josh first... Palmer in a mask at his home in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's like, well, I had a gravel. It was lovely. I, I took my shoes <laughs> off. Hello. It's like, oh, this is doing okay. <laughs> the very first thing that happens with the very first guy was when they announce you're the winner. So they do make you social distance back after the match is done. So they make you go to your respective corners. And then whoever wins, they throw their hands up and they're just supposed to come to the center. And then they're, they have their hands up to a crowd that's not there. And I don't know if you've ever tried to celebrate like a joke when there's no crowd, but you really think that you did it well. It doesn't look great to other people if they walk in on it. And I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing here. And I applaud them for just powering through despite uh... – what are uncertain times in the live sports category, but people will be defiant. Things will start to find a way. Yeah, no, there's already underground fight clubs as is. So uh, there is that. And I will tell you guys this chill may be under direct order to follow the instructions of the bald father. Who's another uh, part of the show. I guess we should address after we get to the timelines here, but uh, chill is following the wishes of the UFC very well when he goes, Oh, man, he's got him up against the cage. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be more excited for Khabib versus Tony, which isn't happening tonight, but it's on a different card. But I'm excited for it, you guys. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I just was reminded of it because he pressed him up against the cage. And I was like, well, that's the worst transitional language anybody's ever seen this side of a usc copywriter like shut up anyway that's where we're at i'm like uh 50 minutes through apparently the show is an hour and 40 some odd minutes how are the matches so, are they good before we get to the serial edition john jones you know what i'm not gonna do kev i feel i'm not gonna be able to aptly critique an event that is not a real version of itself. I will tell you that the matches are interesting, and I feel like this is a specific event similar to Polaris where the audience is the third grappler in the ring. So it's hard for me to really uh, see how these people are deriving power from an audience that isn't there that could actually change some of these matches just given how they pick these people. Um, instead, you're just kind of watching like, what seems like weird tape footage of somebody's uh, match. You know, if like somebody says in your gym, they're like, hey, do you want to watch tape of my my match that I had two weeks ago? You're kind of like, I mean, sure. That's what this is. So, okay, there's that. Anyway, I'm moving on to the next one. Kev, tell me about your timeline. You have done the best investigative journalism. This show is done in some time. Well, just to give a nice social media shout out Jordan Peitzman, our friend doing some really funny stuff with chairs. So check him out on all the social media. Vaguely. Funny. Yes. I want to get to John Jones deep into this subject and then rap. How much of the tiger King have you watched? Uh, all of it. Okay. So I've watched six to seven. Maybe after we'll talk a little tiger King stick around for that, but that'll be a spoiler alert edition. We begin this journey, a beautiful, Almost almost to the day 12 years ago, April 12, 2008, John Jones makes his professional debut. I'm going to fast forward to March 19, 
2011, when he becomes the youngest champion in UFC history. Defeats Shogun Hua, TKO's him, 23, wins the title. This is where we get to stop because these sadly will be the last non-controversial days of the John Jones career if we're paying attention to the signs. Raf, do you remember this time in John Jones? What are your reflections on just how good he was? I remember vividly, like not that I didn't see his other fights before it, but nothing sticks out to me like his match with Matt Hamill and going, oh, no. This guy is very powerful and there's very few ways to handle that. I wonder what he'll do when he gets these, you know, top five opponents. Like, I think he might be problematic for for a lot of people. I remember rooting for him based on his athleticism and being like, yeah, I really think he's cool. And then about the time he ends up winning the belt, he was coming on The Tonight Show and I was working there and I said, man, that's really cool. We get to have a UFC champion. We don't normally have that here. And uh, that was the same day that he magically rescued a woman from being robbed with Greg Jackson. And it was a very strange set of circumstances where I just kind of said, oh, well, that's that's good. OK. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of convenient. But uh, if it did happen, uh, amazing. And you know what? The whole God thing is not really my cup of tea, but uh, hey, man, hopefully he's a good kid. You know, sometimes when people play the God card, they're they're covering up a lot of things that they've done in the past that maybe they don't. Oh, he's going to do that in the future. That's weird. Mm-mm. It's like getting a reverse card in Uno. His next, his next, it's exactly, uh, it is, uh, or in all four with the color change. It really, when people play the God card, I feel similarly. It's always, look, I get it. You want to believe in something holistic and good. And, and I'm certainly uh, on an atheistic track record of denial here. But surely you have to admit a lot of people use God as a Trojan horse to weasel their way in. His next three dates are such a heat check. The next November 24th, 2011, he's taken into custody in the parking lot of a strip club in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sadness level eight. Just so everyone, (laughs) if you think about where you're at in your life, it's like, are you getting arrested in a strip club parking lot in Albuquerque, New Mexico? This one's great. The city where he lives and trades, but a traffic stop reveals he's driving on a suspended license. Charges drop. That one's nice. May 19th. This was predictable. 2012 wraps his Bentley around a utility pole in New York. Taken into custody. Refuses a sobriety test. That was a good idea because he was drunk. He's given a DUI. People in the car are okay. Suspended license for six months. August 8th, 2012. Signs a worldwide sponsorship with Nike, becoming the first UFC fighter to do so. Rap. This feels predictable, and knowing what we know now, that there is fresh footage and a fresh arrest coming. This time involving strange circumstances with a weapon, a discharge casing, video of the whole event. Because the nicest thing about and people don't give this credit. We have all this cop footage now that we didn't, thanks to body cams. And it really spices up these celebrities. But John Jones is arrested again. 
Should we have known then we were in for what was going to be 10 years of pretty cyclical behavior? I don't know. I'll tell you this much, Kev. And this is what I actually texted you. I still feel this is exactly my mode in all of this. You and I hit one pregnant lady. We're done. Just done. <laughs> we haven't. Even, I, we've, we did talk about this. You and I probably were like, how's he still driving? How's he still driving now? I'm talking about his first two charges are in May of 2012. By but that I, year, he I, has I, two incidents <laughs> in six months. And I'm, I'm just saying it to remind everybody of how far we've come. Because when you asked me what my reaction was to just the thought of him getting arrested, did we know that this was going to come? I mean, maybe. Um, I don't know that I would be creative enough to say he would get away with it for this many times. I think I would tell you like, oh, remember that time when we did one of these previously where Kevin said, get a driver and make that a person who chauffeurs you around on your payroll because clearly something's happening that you keep getting caught for. Like I thought that was the best advice ever. But even, you know, going back to the very first two times or so, there was a lot of cults of celebrity that I think got attached to this. The people being like, oh man, he fights good, so we should let him go. I mean, you know, when you're a fighter, you think differently and you should be able to get five DUIs, like a punch card. And on your sixth one, <laughs> you get a second belt in a different division. <laughs> what is the going rate at this point for... What is this guy? I, at this point, if I was his lawyer rep, I wouldn't even be like, you need a driver. I'd be so far past that. I'd be like, at this point, you need to rent the biggest complex, hire security guards to patrol it. And you could just drive around on this thing. It's all private property. And you mm -hmm. can just execute them in some sort of real life World of Warcraft type, whatever you want to do. Because it would be cheaper than getting arrested for hitting people and the constant bullshit at this point. So well, I, otherwise, yes, of course you should have a driver, but it seems like that ship has sailed, doesn't it? Yeah, no, we're, we're in a new uncharted territory. And I'd be yes we're ending at this point. <laughs> if I was on John Jones' payroll, I'd be all solutions. I'm like, all right, hear me out. Maybe we can buy some of Detroit and we could start using that for like a thing where you can just drive your dick off and we'll, well, you can get as drunk as you want. I have a whole idea. We're going to contain you like it's Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. That's actually a great idea. You get to go visit John Jones. You know, we mentioned a belt <laughs> like about two minutes ago, and I was thinking about Jones's this. Jones's Park. It works. <laughs> when you were mentioning this two minutes ago with me on the belt situation, I know we have a baddest motherfucker, but do we have a most troubled motherfucker a belt that we could give John Jones? Because there's no clue of anybody else who would remotely come close. Let's return back to the timeline because I understand well, some of you. It's about to get very heartfelt for you and I. Oh, good. Because 401 episodes is what ushers in our start. Over the next series, he's good for on transgressions basically until August. I mean, kind of. I don't... <laughs> I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I didn't do PI-like work here. But we get into a beautiful time in the sport where he dances around fighting Chael Sonnen and then finally fights Chael Sonnen. He also fights Alex Alexander Gustafsson. He's got a few fights in this run. 
Vitor Belfort. Um, there is some really good stuff that happens, and then it starts to get a little turn. Because there is a weird thing that happens in April 2014 where he's accused of writing homophobic slurs on a Swedish fan that mm. sounded funny at the time but might not have been great because in the next rung we get to August 2014. But, Raph, we started the show in that in that scenes, that season of John Jones. Did we? Yeah, I mean, mm. I think 2012 was that. Yeah, 2012 was tough? was our era when we we entered the we scene. So November 2011, which is right as he, um, well, really starts sending some messages. The other thing to consider at this point, Kev, is we started the show knowing John Jones to be an interesting commodity, to say the least. So. I would say you and I were still hopeful he could pull it together. And it looked like a lot of people would have a lot of serious conversations about like, hey, man, you need to keep it together because you're so talented. And I don't know if John Jones is one of those type of people who only hears the following words from that sentence. Wow, you're very talented. And then just goes, thank you. Um, I don't know if he's somebody who just doesn't care and ignores it. And I don't know if he's a person who cannot control that part of – his reaction and his mental psyche. So, you know, let's let's slide further down this timeline. It's fascinating, though, because this is the era where he becomes LeBron James-like in the fight world. He mm-hmm. has ascended to a greatness that's unquestioned. His toughest fight, he still prevails. Everyone kind of, you know, questions that Gustafsson, but this is an interesting era for him to take an extreme heel turn where he kind of starts his feud with Daniel Cormier that did not start okay. He's fined in August of 2014 by the the Nevada State Athletic Commission, 50,000, scheduled to community service for what happened with Daniel Cormier. So if people don't recall, he pushed him off a stage. Um, that's, That's what happened. Then we get Jones Cormier finally on the docket one day after being featured on all of this and just a few days after in January 2015 he wins the fight we find out he tested positive for the main ingredient in cocaine and now we really have the whole picture of his future we have a propensity to drive shittily while wasted and a sprinkling of cocaine across his legacy Can I say around this time, uh, I didn't know that this would would be what he would do, but this is kind of where I, in the timeline of then to now, realize what I could have done and what I could have done at the time uh, is very easy, Kev, is that I, when I heard he had another transgression happen, uh, my thought was, oh, it's like he's alternating now. It's like cocaine DUI one steroids the other and so i thought at the very least we're switching back and forth between the two because people were so blase about this i was like wait which one is this is it a steroid one or is it a uh no oh this is sadder this one's fun because cocaine i guess is not on the list of substances banned while out of competition so that's why the fight was allowed to go on some sort of weird deep 1980s amendment i'm sure added to the nevada drug law that's like well cocaine's okay 
Well, that's because they UFC probably got their most foghorn leghorn of lawyers to come in and say, you know, do say, sir, I do declare there is no law currently on the books. This is you can compete with any cocaine in it. Now, is there, son? Now, I say to you and I let this go for you right now and for the court people who are around us. If he took the cocaine, there was no pain. Well, he, that word, the so. pain gets worse because he goes to rehab, if you recall, briefly after UFC 182, yes. where he checks out maybe four days later. And I love this because there's a quote. And thank you, ESPN, for getting in the details about this. January 19th, 2015. So he checks out of rehab on January 7th, Raph. And this gets to your God is 50-50 when, when your actions might not speak it. He tells Fox Sports, I'm not a cocaine addict by any means or even a frequent user. I just made a really dumb decision and got caught. Motherfucker, you went to rehab. Not even a month ago. And you're like, ah, I just needed a vacation from my problems. So this is where John Jones starts to take every possible heel turn yeah and could you imagine the people who were with him in rehab hearing that like could you imagine jim a buddy of his imaginarily created in my head jim hearing him go oh so the rest of us are losers you just had a bad day the rest of us who went to rehab hmm okay thanks john i thought we had a breakthrough in our trust falls well, April 27th, 2015, Jones is involved in a hit and run in Albuquerque that injures a pregnant woman. And and by the way, I do love involved in a hit and run. Like he was the hitter and runner. They should, should be called something else. <laughs> Jones was the confirmed hitter and runner in an accident where he rear-ended a pregnant woman, left the scene. And if you recall from the TMZ footage that was everywhere, because, again, the Albuquerque police at this point were like, we should always have cameras on because John Jones is just uh, he's he's waiting around every corner to get us. They pull him over during I mean, they pull his car over, excuse me, and show us inside. And it looks like there's weed, there's stacks of cash. Wasn't there was like a certain mm -hmm. amount of money in it? kind of nuts in terms of his legacy but that's where raf how does he still have a license don't know <clears throat> i would also remind you i thought he had a gun in that one too in the glove compartment <laughs> so you know at the very least he's telegraphing what's going to happen in the future like john jones is the only person in the ufc who leaves behind easter eggs for what could come in a future uh, sort of altercation sort of a deal. I just knew, again, he I said this before. 18 months of supervised probation for that. He pleads guilty, by the way. Right. And I thought, though, that, I don't know. I, I For me, if someone at your job heard this, there would be a heavy amount of, hey, bud, we, we should chat. And yet the fight game is a different beast. And Dana White gets on a serious voice and tells us, you know, we're, this whole John Jones thing, it's crazy, man. Ah, you know, it's terrible. Uh, we will never let him do it again on a Wednesday. Um, you know, I mean. It, it, You're right on point, my man, because on October. So that's September 29th, 2015. 
one month later, October 23rd, 2015, the UFC reinstates Jones to its active <laughs> roster. So continue with your Dana pontification, you prophet. I you just... are correct. <laughs> Raph's not staring at my timeline. He's just like, well, the <laughs> UFC goes right. It's like, yeah, this thing starts to become like an acapella. It goes up. It goes down. Oh, he's arrested. Oh, he wins. Oh, he's fine. Oh, he's reinstated. Okay. Oh, he's arrested. Oh, he's fine. It's great. I love stats. So I kept trying to, and I didn't do, like he said, you did the timeline. And I said, bless your soul. I can't. But I was thinking to myself, I love patterns. And when you look at patterns, you start to think like, is John Jones throwing us something like once every two years, once every six months? What's the average on all of this? And I hate to tell you this. I'm not the only <laughs> one who news, thinks of stats. It's six months. Oh, no. It's not even. It's like basically to the day six months. Oh, God. The reason why I say this is because you're going to remember the next one. It's definitely memorable. Oh, it's a doozy. And I will tell you this, Kev. Vegas now has odds on you can now bet on what John Jones's next fuck up is going to be. Oh, I know what I'm taking. It's D- what's DWI? That's it's got to be like minus twelve hundred. It's not worth <laughs> it at all. March 29th, twenty sixteen. Jones is jailed in Albuquerque for violating probation. This is when he gets pulled over for drag racing, and there's a ton of body camera footage of him berating the police officer, calling him a liar, a pig. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. You remember this one for sure. And this is my favorite. For this, he gets anger management and driver improvement classes. How big a fan of the UFC was that judge? This guy hit a pregnant woman and ran from the scene of the crime. He doesn't make it six months. He's on 18 months of supervised probation. He doesn't make it six months before he's caught drag racing and screaming at a police officer. Unbelievable. How he still driving. This is 2016. Do you believe that John Jones is maybe the real life version of the Vin Diesel character from the Fast and the Furious? He has a lot of the characteristic flags and we know he loves to drag race. We know that because when you get to a certain point and you get that's a great next career move for him. It is. And it makes me think, though, when you say again, uh, pregnant lady, probably done uh, drag racing, your job probably goes, could you not? Listen, dude, why are you drag racing? This has nothing to do with anything you do. And he's like, man, I just live my life a quarter picogram at a time. Like, I don't know who, what, where, when, or why, but do you see the pattern of maybe enableism here? So fresh off his improvement classes, he returns to competition against Ovin St. Prue, wins unanimous decision on April 23rd, Raph, not even a month later. I guess he got those improvement classes quick and out of the way, along with anger management. And to take anger management while you're training to fight OSP? All right. Just great. If they put that in the serial killer handbook. Mm. He's pulled from his next match in July for testing positive for a banned substance. This is when he cries and it's all about dick pills, right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. So he's stripped of his interim title. He's in disgrace. Um whatever but then he's he's fucking fails another drug test 
Um, it's overturned, if you recall, because now we're in the controversial state. Before he's finally booked to, and we're talking years of appeals, he finally gets to fight again, Madison Square Garden. Um, oh, that this one's moved. I love this timeline. So we're now fast forwarding to December twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. A little bit of Turnaball, the same steroid that got him the ban. But he still gets to fight December 29th against Alexander Gustafsson and wins dominantly. He passes multiple post-fight drug tests. So we are now to essentially the golden era of Jones where he's just having problems with steroids. Until April 2019 where he's accused once again, this time by a waitress at an Albuquerque strip club. That he got roughed house, she was put in a chokehold, kissed on the neck, and touched genitally, and he was issued a criminal charge. So, right after that, he just beats Thiago Santos on July 6th, April to July, Raph. Your argument about entitlement is made by the timeline. It's unbelievable. It's really outstanding what he's been able to get away with and not only continue to drive a fucking car. How when I read the most recent charge where one of the many charges, but easily the least offensive is that he didn't have insurance he didn't have proof of mm-hmm. insurance. It's like, how does he have a license? <laughs> how is this man have a license? What does one do in New Mexico, New York, this country to get it removed? There's no way we'd still be driving. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I again, you're not wrong. It's also very strange to follow a timeline in which John Jones when he does have the stripper altercation and you're like, Oh, it's a misunderstanding. Which he pleads no contest to and takes a guilty charge. Well, because at this point I'm pretty sure his lawyers are like, yeah, we don't get any more benefits of any doubts. <laughs> like at this point, we just got to, you know, take this one through. So of course he's going to beat up uh, some folks after this. Of course he's going to win. And there was talk of, does all of his outside behavior start to, uh, influence the way he is performing in the ring because people were saying, or the octagon, they're saying, Hey, he's not quite, uh, the champion that we're used to seeing. Uh, he's not quite the guy that we're used to seeing, uh, at perform at this level. And I think this is going to lead to where, when we get to the very end of the timeline, we're only which, two by the dates way, away. We're two dates away from being done. This is, I had to go general cause we just covered a lot of dates. But if we're being honest, though, Kev, when did we start attacking the timeline on this podcast? Like, was it maybe 10 minutes in? It was early. OK, <laughs> so we've we've spent some time detailing all of the little bullet points here that do lead to, I think, what should have been a foregone conclusion a long time ago. But I digress. Kev, what happens next? He returns and wins his title back. Retains it, fights Dominic Reyes, returns to power. That's February of this goddamn year. It wasn't that long ago 
And then this pandemic hit, just as a reminder to people about two weeks ago, if you don't remember, and on March 26, 2020, he is arrested in New Mexico for the weirdest shit yet. One, cops hear a gunshot. That's why they responded to the scene of the crime. This wasn't even just a he was driving or drag racing illegally. Our guy reeks of booze, has an open container, has what they called leafy substance consistent with marijuana, which is the most copish way of saying weed I've ever heard. (laughs) And they would later find, after he pretty aggressively failed the DWI test from the DWI special officer, they have one of those, I guess, they find a weapon and a discharged round that they believe is synonymous with what they heard. Oh, and he didn't have insurance, whatever. <laughs> There's video. You can see him failing it. So within two, within not even two full months, within one month of regaining his echelon with Reyes back in jail again for a DWI and all this bullshit. And potentially, I guess, out firing his gun. What, what was he doing? What was he doing? Don't know. We've had a few interpretations of Has the he been body killing cam. people in his spare time? Is that just what he does? I'll tell you this much. If I didn't think he was killing somebody, at least purposely, with the pregnant lady, this was the first time that I said, is this an episode of Breaking Bad now? This guy cannot be stopped, right? <laughs> He's out firing a gun he's the only guy in the neighborhood they're like hey oh shit it's john joe oh my god because you know cops are like we better be careful we better be crystal clear and the video shows him clearly intoxicated he's already come out he's got anxiety he's got add he's got a lot of mental illness from getting punched in the head he's got a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons for that this happened and i have loved the responses because you and i love the john jones apologist tribe Mm-hmm. It's a deep association to the um, his coaches. They're just, they're very, Jackson, Winkle John MMA are very devoted crews, but there's also a shit ton of people who are like, fuck that guy. I knew he was a piece of shit. And <laughs> Daniel Cormier is just like, vindicated, vindicated, vindicated. He was doing yeah. coke and steroids, and I had to try and beat him. Yeah, Daniel Cormier is definitely taking the world's slowest lap around for his victory on this, because this is him maybe about five months ago or five years ago now, maybe four. It's hard to figure out where we are at this point uh, in under quarantine. But Daniel Cormier famously in the middle of one of their filmed trash talking segments, John was getting under his skin and trying to say shit about him and make it real. And then Daniel Cormier is like, you don't want me to say what I want to say. He's like, why don't you say it? And he goes, you don't want me to say what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is you're always prone to be this guy. You may talk a good game, but you are always going to be this fuck up. And that's the real issue you have as a fighter. And John Jones looks at him and is in fight mode. So he's just like, okay, okay. But it's true. He is his worst opponent. Now, Let's return back to this body cam thing, because the reason why I want to stick on here, I know you talked about the apologist and we've heard them for now what's going on seven years. But Kevin, when we talk about the actual body cam, we had some people saying that the police officers were being dicks. Can you give me an assessment 
of what it is they were asking him to do and what it was that was happening. Standard DWI and the, and, test um, starts with the heel toe. If anyone's been through it, I've been through it four to seven times myself. Uh, shout out to the Spring Hill Police Department for keeping me uh, prepped and ready for that examination. And then the Fairfax Police Department for just administering it all the time. Like it was their first line of defense against the public. This was one of the bad types where he's supposed to go heel to toe. He starts and then he stops and it's like he kind of forgot what he was doing about halfway towards the end of it. And that's when he's like, oh, I have ADD. And he turns and just restarts without their permission. And they hate that. <laughs> cops are pretty quiet about it, in my opinion. Usually cops are a little bit more aggressive and mean to me, but I'm not a celebrity. He is, I mean, the champ. The cops have some respect for him. It's like, we, we don't need to piss him off, right? Everybody, everybody's, everybody's good here. So I thought the cops were kind of cool about it, but it's one of those, like, um, you can't just restart, but okay, knock yourself out. So he failed the he failed the test. He refused to blow, I guess, but we'll find out, I assume, all those fun nitty-gritties. You know, it was reported, I heard, at the very earliest, he was at a point one six, uh, which is double the amount huh? we had. <laughs> what? That's That's... What was reported. And now, mind you, Kevin. Oh, so I guess he did blow. We live in the age where there's lots of news that no one believes. Like, even if it comes out in a report, they don't believe it. I heard what I heard, which was enough. And more importantly, because we had some people who chimed in online that are like, those those charges won't stick. And I really think we're beyond, okay – is it some other guy who's framing John Jones? Like, no, we, we've seen this. Uh, unless he's got the worst case of invisible man syndrome any of us have ever seen. I would tell you this much. I think the interpretation of, oh, yeah, the cops were being dicks to him. Well, if you hear gunshots and you're in the middle of a quarantine, it's not like you have a lot of questions about who's shooting a gun in the middle of nowhere. Then I think we come into the element that we talked about earlier, which is – uh, the come to Jesus uh, savior mode, which I think the thing that made me the saddest, and I wouldn't even say I'm upset at this point. It just made me sad, which is the fact that John Jones was saying that he was going, you know, he felt scared, but that he wanted to go help the homeless or he was trying to help people. And this is the stuff that people seem to identify as kind of that Ed Norton primal fear character that just becomes a cult of whatever he's around. Like he allows you to see multiple sides of his personality that whatever gets him out of trouble, that's what he's going to play up. And again, we're not psychologists here. We're not anything. It's just, this is all instinctive. Can I just say where we're at in what my belief is? Um, And I want to ask you the question. Yeah. Why is he fighting? Why is he fighting? Let's all just agree. He's done. Like you've got to ban, you have to. The time is they're gone. not going to ban him. I do. There's no feeling in me right now that says we are going to see John Jones get any significant banning, because if you're Dana and you're trying to make Khabib and Tony happen, and then when people are making it difficult for you, because that's what we're supposed to have happen right now, then Dana White lashes out at the media and says. It's these pussies fault for being dumb and making his life hard. And that if we see Khabib and Tony 
we'll get back down to normalcy, which is absurd. That's beyond even saying this thing's, you know, not like cancer. You can't run away from it. And it's like, well, no, you what the fuck are you talking about, Dana? At this point, to me, it seems that Dana, I mean, we've always known him to be a guy who's going to put on a fight just for his own bottom line. And if you look at, I think it's WME, which is the parent company of the UFC, they had to let off a whole bunch of people because of this merger. So even if Dana's telling you that they're doing fine, they may not be cash positive right now. So that whole reason of getting us back to normalcy is some bullshit reason to put on a show. And I don't care, even if I'm not 100% right on this accusation, I think that the element of the fact that we've never been harsh on John Jones in a true way of saying, hey, look, pal, a lot of people have opinions on you. Some right, some wrong. Could be ours included. But if you're looking at the mental health aspect of this human being, it makes me sad to think that he's going to continue to fight because I was not trying to create comedic angles on this one. It's just it happens to be kind of absurd. That's where the comedy is coming from. I think the hard part is this is a person who now is exhibiting when he's saying he's got anxiety. Don't know if that's true. Could be. Um, he's talking about the fact that he has ADHD. Could that be concussions? Could that be the fact that he's now having severe head trauma? And we've heard those stories about athletes who have had severe head trauma and have created very violent actions outside of their respective sports. We're getting into a dangerous element that we've, I don't know if we as fans have enabled ourselves, but for me, I don't want to see him fight. I don't want to really hear about him for a while. I want him to just figure himself out. And if this is the time that uh, he is a person who is a man of God and he needs to do that and that does help him, great. However, we've seen so many efforts not stick and yet giving him the carrot of, well, you should come back to the UFC and you should fight because you're the GOAT. To me, that conversation isn't important. So I don't know where you're at on this conversation, but I've watched it for so long in the hopes that a person could turn their life around. And I think we have more than ample evidence to say, oh, yikes. No, it's not looking good. And I think we we were mentioning it with the gun on this one in, in specifics. When I joke about the fact that like, oh, man, it did sound like the first time uh, a true Breaking Bad episode happened. It made me have an element of, I don't know what the fuck you would be doing with a gun. Like, I've been drunk plenty of times, but I've never been like, well, here's a gun. We should be using this right now. Like, I don't know where his head's at. And I feel like that's the first time that I actually was like, oh, yeah, that pregnant lady thing wasn't an isolated thing. He could have actually hurt somebody doing that. And that's not just a person containing their own demons. That's a person now becoming a little bit of a nuisance. I saw one person say something that I thought has some element of truth to it, which is maybe it's at this point John Jones needs to move out of that New Mexico area. He needs to get out of that that element and go somewhere else well, and maybe not worry about the fight game. No, the, whoever's thinking about that cannot even begin to imagine how lax their DWI licensing rules are. There's a reason he chose that place. Best in the nation at uh, letting you drive well after you've (laughs) 
hit multiple people. For those of us that also, I, I always love this because it's like these are the good moments to stop and be like, okay, let's remember that John Jones not only continues to be able to drive and continues to be able to buy high caliber, high carbon weapons. This is, and he's just driving around discharging them randomly in, in as much city as he can find in Albuquerque. I'm all set with you in terms of let's let's call it. We can't have him back. He's out in the UFC. He's gonna kill someone. It's like who saw this coming? It's like fucking everyone. Driving me scotch nuts, and I say I say call it. This guy needs to focus on getting healthy if this is what the behavior is being caused by. But that's it officially for this chapter of our John Jones coverage. Turn, tune in in two months when he gets a presidential pardon and is ordered to fight on the White House lawn in a fun celebratory match. Yeah, I mean, here's what I can tell you. Uh, we had one person saying, oh, I don't like that people are being mean to John Jones. And uh, okay, maybe. Or maybe we're at a point now where we should be honest. And if some of that honesty has a little bit of acknowledgement of, hey, dude, maybe you shouldn't do this to other people or be a harm to them. Yourself is a different situation. And it's a sadder situation that none of us really have control of. But I think there's a certain level of like when people were doing a certain amount of memes and jokes, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm good right now. And I understand that sometimes people want to uh, do the jokes and memes to kind of get out of the element of taking it seriously. Uh, but dude, this just is, this is too much. You know, uh, Kev, this is again, a weird segue, but they really just put on, on vice, a documentary called the dark side of the ring. And these are tales about pro wrestling where they talk about things that are unpleasant. And one of the stories they just told was the Chris Benoit story. Now, Chris Benoit had a lot of head trauma and, you know, said that he had concussions. There were the chair shots and all those sorts of things. This is a man who famously killed, you know, his son and his wife, uh, according to the police. And it's a truly devastatingly sad tale. You look at the, what, Aaron Hernandez or that, that story and you look at Netflix it. documentaries. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you look at that situation and you say, yeah, that's not great either. Like these are terrible ends to stories of people who are noted for their athleticism, who have something unfortunate happen. And that maybe, at least in John's case, you know, he was detained and hopefully we can get to a place where it's healthier for him. But it seems like a very, very, um, not great ellipsis on where this story is currently heading. So that's kind of where I hit on this story and why I was kind of like, Oh Jesus Christ, John Jones. Um, but yeah. Well, that thus concludes John Jones coverage. That was fun. Thanks for indulging my timeline. You've watched, um, I, I finished submission underground. I've got three notes to tell you. Go for it. Number one, uh, surprise, Kevin, uh, You've got one John Jones or Craig Jones. Sorry. Uh, Craig Jones. He submitted Kevin Casey. Oh. With a heel hook. Surprise. Hopefully. So in case you had any misgivings on how that would go. It was not great. Um, 
it looked like in the coma. Sorry, I got hit with the heel hook. I thought okay. I would take, but I oh. got took. I'm just giving KO Casey some oh. leadoff rhymes. You have never run into that man, and I have. And like, it's weird because I've been at a gym multiple times, and now we're at a point where we know a lot of the same people. Uh, so it is always funny to see that, uh, especially when you see Kevin Casey as just being like, dude, you're a big guy and your jiu-jitsu is very solid. Um, but did I think him and Craig Jones was a good match? No. Um, but Chael Sonnen was hyping it up as if it was going to be the next all be all. And it was not. Uh, ben LG, I believe is his name, gets a win over Jake Ellenberger. It looked almost like a triangle arm bar. It was really, really sick. Kev, I've got even better news. We had two friends of the show uh, having a match with one another. So we had to be Switzerland on this one. But Bobby Emmons versus Juan Bernardo ends in an overtime win for Juan Bernardo, who picks up via RNC and OT. Oh, rear naked choke for those not yep. in the know. Got choked yep. out. And I think that's really about it. Um, Chael is now just spending his time talking, but... I mean, that's that's the bulk of the show, my friends. Um, Chell did say one thing that I think is going to stick with me for a while, which is these guys are all black belts. And I was like, wait, are they or better? I was like, what? What does that mean? He's like, these guys are all black belts or better, which means they're a black belt or they fight professionally in a major organization. And I was like, well, all right. That's a weird phraseology, but uh, you could just say they're all black belts or fighters because uh, some of the guys who were fighters did not fare better, even though they are or better than some of the jiu-jitsu guys. So anyways, that'll conclude our coverage of Submission Underground 12, uh, the 12th of all the Submission Undergrounds. They keep it real. I don't know what to say. Mm. Look. There is a show that's captivating America. It's called Tiger King. It's... <laughs> no. I saw Tiger. Tiger saw a man. They're all well, bad people, Raph. Every one of them is a it, bad person. It is a yeah. It's it's full of bad people. Um, can I ask you this though? Did you know that he didn't sing those songs when you were singing them right now, Kevin? No, I didn't. Okay. Who sung? Did who you? Sings them? Um, I guess the country version of Millie Vanilli, uh, but they eventually came out and said like, Hey y'all, you know, he didn't write those songs or sing them. And we're like, yeah, dude, no shit. And he's like, I mean, on some of the songs we, he's singing, but we turned that real low. And I was like, thank you. Great editing. His editing Appreciate team it. are the unsung heroes of this whole <laughs> situation. I asked this to Michael Schleffinger on early late night this week. I'm going to ask it to you. What is the appeal of this show? Absolute obsession with what can really become a cult. And this case, the cult is tigers, big, mm -hmm. ca big cats, but it's deep and it becomes a hatred of each other because cult leaders don't share the throne well <laughs> and this is just classic cult behavior the the one multiple members of them describe themselves as cult leaders because it's the only way you can make this work because none of them have the gd money to do this mm -mm. 
I feel. Oh, and that you're going to find out Jim Carrey's character is copying (laughs) Dr. Anzel or Antel or whatever from a fucking element thing that's like, wait, I've seen that shot for. Oh, my God. Of course they worked with them. That makes sense. I think the hardest part for me when watching the documentary is, you know, a lot of documentaries tend to make everybody a suspect kind of a deal. This is the only documentary in recent memory in which you kind of say, oh, at least there's one sympathetic character. And then I was like, really, the only one I don't hate is the lesbian with the nub? Because (laughs) she's basically just chilling on a chair being like, yeah, these people are fucking crazy. Oh, man, my arm went off and whatever. They gave me an option to repair it or just cut it off right now. But I'd have to wait for a long time to repair it. And I just said, "Eh, you guys can take it. And she has the most blase sort of responses in every episode going, oh, that person's the worst. The next episode, oh, that person is the worst? Oh, my God. How are there nine different antagonists in this movie? (laughs) It is outstanding. So watch the Tiger King if you haven't watched the Tiger King. You're going (laughs) to... Come for the voice and trying to thought I'd produce this TV show. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? Why does everyone suck? And why do I love this? Really, the big winner is um, Trump supporters, and the big loser is Tigers. <laughs> so that's uh, that's all you need to know. Raph, what mm. a stirring week here at Verbal Tap. Uh, I guess it's time to return to wine and ice cream. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to get back to a schedule of producing shows because we just heard before we went on air today that uh, the lockdown will be going for another 30 days. I saw Tiger. Tiger saw man. <laughs> oh, God. And this is, you know what the grass part is? is like, <laughs> like when you watch Dog the Bounty Hunter or some sort of nonsense like that, Dog isn't, in theory, singing his own theme song, but this is making you try to believe that this is Joe Exotic singing his own theme song to a reality show about him and the animal kingdom that's barely in it, but more about him and his eyebrow ring which is just hanging on by a thread like this thing is magic and if there is any good to come of this stupid quarantine i think this is the only currency that we have currently produced in that time that is worth any of its worth yeah they don't well this will be our final note they don't let you keep your prince albert in jail kids Uh, I'm Kevin, thanks for listening (laughs) Good night and good fight The number you have dialed has been changed The new number is Please note, the new number is...